Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's the Last Stand Podcast. And here's your host, Brian Custer. That's right, the last stand, the unfiltered, straight talk from some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment and in the sport of boxing. When you talk about some of the greats, well, one of the names that come right up is a guy who was the former undisputed cruiserweight champion of the world. He was also the former undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. He's known as the real deal. He's Evander Holyfield. Welcome to the last stand. Oh, thank you. <laughs> hey, listen, look, I saw the pictures of you on social media, you training, uh, you look great. I know you've always been a guy who stays in shape, but when did you first get the idea that you're going to train because you want to fight again? Well, I, you know, I always stayed in shape and I just running and, and somehow someone picked it up and said, you know, they were showing Tyson training and they were showing me training then someone started talking about it. Now listen, it's been the big scuttlebutt, Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, and I know it's a fight that you would like, but money aside, why? Why fight again? Well, you know, the, the honor of the game is the point of, with me personally, I just wanted to you tell tell the young people, tell the young people out there that if you take care of yourself, you can last a lot longer and you can you can look good when you get older. There's been certainly a lot of talk about you guys having a third fight. Uh, you know, the Jones Tyson fight, that exhibition they did was certainly successful and lucrative. Um, how much do you think, honestly, Evander, that a Holyfield Tyson three fight would generate? I think I think it's be a lot of money, a lot of millions, and like you know, I think like hundred million. I'm like it's yeah, the fight would be big because so many people want the fight. It, you know, I, uh, Mike Tyson did a a show, Brandon Schaub, and I'm quoting him, Evander. He said, "Quote: I think it might happen soon." Talking about a fight with you, but there are going to be guys before Evander I fight. Um, Evander is something that we're looking at in the future. What's your response to that? Well, you know, I, you know, I would like I, the people. The only thing that I hear people talking about, they want to see Tyson and myself. And you know, this is what the, the world wants to see. But you know, I, in, in that situation, but 
he have to want to do it. And so, you know, we, I guess we have to come together and do it. That's and, what and, yeah, and in, in your heart of hearts, Evander, do you believe we will see a Holyfield Tyson three fight this year? I, 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 I would say yes. I, you know, I, I think that it, it's close. I think it's something that we both want to do. I think it, it, it can happen. Uh, is is Mike Tyson uh, the only guy that you're considering? Is there anybody else that Evander Holyfield would consider fighting? No, <laughs> I'm just you know, the thing is is that I know that we the we the, the two top people that people want to see, and I'm saying and that's no other that's no reason to do it with nobody else, no more than to do it with Tyson. Hmm. Um, listen, Mike is a guy that you dominated twice let's be honest when you guys fought you dominated him twice uh he bit part of your ear off so why mike tyson well uh, you know life's about life's about forgiving i'm like you know sure I, you know like you know when people ask me about the fight i said you know i, I said i bit a guy in the ring i said you know i said i bit him on the shoulder i didn't i didn't bite him on the you know. <laughs> Like that, I said, buddy, I'm, and they were saying that's kind of a reaction of concussion. You can get a concussion in your your bite. I said, but you know, I said, but that would happen. And I said, I said, you know, I was forgiven, so you know, why not forgive? Mm. Take me in. Take me into your dressing room that night after the fight, uh, especially that second fight after he he bit your ear. When you looked in the mirror and saw that part of your ear. A chunk of your ear was off. What did you think? Well, you know, I, you know, he, you know, he, he, he chipped a piece of my ear, a piece of it off. But you know, but at that time, I had already forgave him because you know what? Because in the ring, in the ring, I was getting ready. I was getting ready to bite him back. I was gonna bite him back in the face. And I was gonna bite right there. Yeah. But you know. Uh, uh, my, my trainer was saying, my trainer was saying, keep your mind on the Lord because the property had told us something was going to happen in there. I thought maybe I'm going to get hit with an elbow or a head button. Yeah, I never, you know, never thought about the ear. Wow. Uh, how, how honestly though, Evander, um, how long did it take take you to really forgive Mike Tyson for that? Well, I'm, I'm when, once I got into the locker room and and some of the people started getting loud and said, you know, I can't believe he did this. I said, we, we got to forgive him. I said, man, well, what do you mean forgiven? I said, did he bite you or did he bite me? I said, <laughs> I said you know, we're going to forgive him. And, you know, and and because and that's, you know, when, when I pray, this is God say, it's about forgiving. You got to forgive. Mm, wow. So, you, you, you know, I think generally people think it took months or maybe it took you a year. You're saying that night? Yep, I, you know, after that night, that was it. You know, because there's a, there's a lot of things came about. Because it it's amazing when a situation like that happened, a lot of people start talking about how you can sue, what you can get in all this. And, and some people say, man, you know, you can really get them because they start talking about all these, all these things that, that, not that he did, but the responsibility of uh, MGM. And I said, no, I said, when I forgive one person, I forgive everybody. I said, so I, I got to let it go. And, and of course, people say, you crazy, man. 
he bit prize, yeah, but I, I understand. You know, life, life goes on. Wow. That, hey, you, you are the true personification of forgiveness because I, I was going to think, I was going to ask you, 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 so you never even thought about suing him or none of that after the fight? No, I'm not. It was, once I, when I say I forgave, I forgave, you know, I, everything that go with it and, you know, whoever a part of it. So, you know, because people like to go, okay, you forgive it, Mike Tyson, but MGM, the one that had responsible, I said, yeah, but I, you forgive one, you forgive all. Wow. I'm like, it's just the right thing to do. Yeah. You know, listen, you, you beat Mike Tyson when he was still an intimidating, uh, a dominating force in the sport. Many still had called him the baddest man on the planet. Uh, and although he had lost to uh, Buster Douglas, he was still blowing out guys uh, when you guys first met up. At that time, what did you have over Mike Tyson that other guys didn't? I wasn't afraid of nobody. You know, I, you know, I'm afraid of man. Only person that I was afraid of, my mom. That's it. Because I can't hit her back. Now, you can't win a fight if you can't hit back. But anybody else, I, I can light them up. Wow. And so even it, during camp, all of that, you there, there was no intimidation, no fear factor at all with you when it came training for Mike Tyson. Well, not at all. Because the fact that, fact that in boxing, boxing is a sport that where you give your very best, but the other guy, you know, because... My mama taught me this at a young age when I lost my first match when I was 11 years old. 11 years old, this guy, this 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 guy, this guy beat me, and I and I started crying. And my mama said, my mama said, no, no, you got to go back. I said, you know, I'm telling everybody stand a chance to win. You go in there, and you give your all. This is the reason why you work hard. But you know, if you quit, come things don't go your way. You'll never be the better. So the whole big thing is to give your all. Council man, it takes a lot of courage to give you all each and every time. Mm. Have have you have you had any uh, discussions lately with the Tyson team of trying to negotiate and, and finalize this fight? Well, 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 I have other people who dealing dealing with that, and you know, you have to keep things quiet. You can't let that get out, and so you know, things it ain't gonna work itself out. We'll know pretty soon. Got it, got it. And, and, and in the meantime, for you, Evander, because you're training and training, and I'm sure you don't want to just training just to be training, but is it a fight that you would like to do in the summer? Is it a fight that you'd like to do in the fall? Well, it don't make no difference. I just like to do it. I just I just like for it to be, get on the paper and that that with the people who want to come can come. And, and you know, and I, get, I get to, you know, tell the kids, you know, you know, you take care of yourself. You can do this at an uh, older age. You know, I, everybody said, this is crazy. You 58. I said, well, yeah. I said, you know, they, they keep waiting. I'm going to be 59. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, the heavyweight division is back. Uh, Tyson Fury, uh, Anthony Joshua both have titles. Uh, Deontay Wilder certainly wants to get his title back. In your opinion, Evander, who is the best heavyweight right now? I, you know, my own thing is it's not opinion, it's just what it is. You know, uh, it, it, at first it was, uh, uh, what the guy from Alabama? Deontay Wilder. Deontay was the guy. He bought everybody, anybody. And so, you know, of course, you know, 
in this last fight, you know, uh, Tyson, Tyson Fury beat him. So I'm like, so I would, I would think that he have to be the, the best one because, because what's called fought everybody and, and, and Tyson Fury beat the guy that who everybody was really afraid of. Mm. Mm. So I'm down to, I'm talking about anytime you fight, it's the two people make the last decision on what they do that night. Um, Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury are supposedly now close uh, to negotiating and finalizing a deal. And obviously the winner would be the undisputed uh, heavyweight champion of the world. Uh, who, who, who's the guy you think will win that fight, Joshua or Fury? Well, you know, it's, you know, you know, and, you know, both them guys are good fighters. And I, I think that, you know, I think, uh, Tyson Fury, Tyson Fury, I'm talking, he's an odd type of guy, but I'm talking, but he can fight. I'm talking, you know, I'm, he, he lanky, he got long arms, and and he tended to make adjustments, and so and so he had proven he could do that. And you know, I, you know, I, I I think that, but when you get in fights, I'm talking styles make fight is what that person do that night, and so both of the guys are capable of win. And so, you know, my only thing is that I don't want nobody thinking that I want this guy to win or I want the other guy. I just know when it when it comes to the championship fight, both the guys come in to win and you'll see what happens when you're there. Unless you're, you're betting something. You ain't betting nothing. You might well just, you know, just zip it up and 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 tell people I told you at the end. What's going on? Somebody going to win, somebody going to lose. <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, when you look at the heavyweight division now, a lot of these guys, whether it's Joshua, whether it's Fury, whether it's Deontay, you know, all these guys are now you know, over six, 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 seven, six, eight, and, and obviously big, big punchers. But, you know, listen, you guys could throw leather. Uh, you, Lewis, uh, Bo, Foreman. What do you think is the biggest difference between your generation of heavyweights and the ge the generation of heavyweights we're seeing now? Well, I, the difference is the amateur program, you know, with amateur, like I started boxing at the age of eight years old. So I learned how to box. You know, I, I weigh 65 pounds and I weigh 65 pounds. So I fought every weight division. So I learned the skill of boxing. And so when people start boxing, when they, when, when they get, 17 or 18, it's all about, they know I can, I can knock this boy out and he, they just go for power, but they don't have the finesse and they don't have the skill. They don't, a lot of times they don't know how to make the adjustment that's necessary to overcome mistakes they may make. Time now for a segment we like to call, Take a Stand on Your Health. It's brought to you by Man Cave Health. And for some of you who know, you know, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer a few years ago. And the only reason why I am here alive and talking to you now is because I got an annual check and I caught, caught it early. And prostate cancer is a treatable cancer if you catch it early, but you've got to get an annual physical. You've got to know your number. And that's what Man Cave Health is all about. It is a foundation that is urging men to just take one hour out of this year to go get either an annual physical or a PSA test to know your number. And joining me now 
to talk about this is a world-renowned doctor. In fact, you can even hear him on his own podcast, the Digital Healthcast. He is Dr. Mawada Dyson. Dr. Dyson, welcome. Brian, thank you for having me on the show today. It's a pleasure to be here with you. It's great to have you on. And, you know, we want to talk about health here in this segment. And why do you think most men are so neglectful when it comes to either getting an annual physical or even getting a PSA test? Yeah, Brian, you know, I think that's a great question. Uh, why don't most men go see the doctor? It's a topic that's widely discussed. And, you know, I can tell you there's multiple reasons why. If I could simplify for you and your guests, I would really put it into two categories. I would say it's because of psychology and because of science. It's the psychology and the behavior that has been hesitant to go, which is heavily influenced by time, fear, and comfort. So if we look at the number one reason why men don't go to the doctor, they'll say they just don't have enough time. They'll say they're too busy and they can't fit it into their schedule. The number two reason is they're afraid of the results. They're scared that they may find something really serious and they don't wanna deal with the underlying ramifications of those results. And then the third reason being, they just don't like the overall experience. As you know, men in general, we're pretty easygoing and pretty simplistic. We don't like being poked and prodded. Now, I'm sympathetic to everything I've heard patients say before. I don't want to dismiss it, but you know, these are these are reasonable issues. They're just not rational issues, right? So that's the psychology. Then we look at the science. And I'm referring to science, I'm talking about the healthcare system itself. The healthcare system just hasn't done a really good job of helping people to meet those challenges. You know, the great thing too about Man Cave Health is that they like to build uh, waiting rooms that men will enjoy being in if they're going to a doctor. I mean, there's going to be memorabilia there. There are going to be different things there. There are going to be TVs with sports and all that kind of stuff that make you feel comfortable to kind of address what you tried to say there about being uncomfortable in a waiting room. Well, Man Cave Health does that as well as give you information uh, about, uh, obviously, health and, and keeping yourself healthy. Along those lines, when it comes to prostate cancer, you know, it is the leading cause of cancer death among American men um, and men of color. Uh, black men uh, are twice as likely uh, to get prostate cancer than white men. Why is that? Well, it's kind of like we were talking about early, um, earlier. Men are not going to the doctor. And because of that, they're not getting the appropriate screening at the appropriate time. So many of these diseases are being picked up very late. If they were picked up early, we probably could institute some treatments which will most likely be curative. You know, as you mentioned, and you, as you started the show off, a lot of this can be prevented if we could get people to get out to the doctor and get the appropriate screening. But because we're picking it up so late, we have very few tools left in the toolbox in order to be effective. Now, when we look at the African-American community in particular, I mean, it becomes really complicated because in the black communities, there's a limited access to resources. There's a limited access to healthy foods, particularly in these urban areas that are predominated by these food deserts. There's limited access to providers, at least those who are culturally competent, and that matters, especially if trust is an issue. And then there's a limited access to income. 
so many men working in predominantly African-American communities are working hourly jobs. They can't afford to take time off to go to the doctor. And they're afraid of what that cost may be if they do. Great, great response there. Uh, so then it leads me to this. What do you think is the most important thing that we can all do to drastically cut down those numbers? Yeah, sure. Earlier I alluded to there's two main challenges, right? It's the psychology and the science. Now the science is doing some things right now, at least in terms of the challenge of meeting the access. So using like our mobile phones for telehealth visits so we can get access. So that's helpful and that's moving in the correct direction. However, I think what your audience and athletes need to know is that we have to use better communication tools and empathy. Um, I'll go to the communication first. This is why you know I appreciate being on your show. I love what you're doing. Using platforms like yours where we can have these open discussions where men feel free talking about these type of issues is highly important. I can't put enough emphasis on that. In terms of the empathy, it has to be okay for men to feel that we can embrace each other and to be supportive. If there is a man in someone's life who's watching your show right now that they feel comfortable with wishing them happy birthday, which is a nice idea. However, that could be that signal to them to do something a little bit more valuable, right? Like making sure they go to see their doctor, making sure they're getting screening tests, following up on the results and just having these type of open dialogues. Absolutely right. It's one of the things that I think we as men, we don't have open dialogue when it comes to our health. Some guys are ashamed of it. And it's something that we need to be more open, uh, as you talked about having empathy with one another. And really, that's what Man Cave Health is really all about. In fact, you can go to their website at mancavehealth.org. Please sign up for their newsletter. And if you like, make a donation. And you can do it by uh, texting the last stand to 44321. That money is used to help people who don't have the means to get a physical, to get a PSA test. They try to help and provide for that. And they also do all kinds of things, providing information, uh, virtual meetings, and, and making sure that everyone uh, takes care of their men. Doc, where can they uh, see the and hear the podcast? So we're at uh, Digital HealthCast. You can check us out on any podcast player, Digital HealthCast. And we're going to be on YouTube pretty soon in the next few weeks. You can also see us there. Dr. Mwada Dyson, appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Evander, for everyone who comes on uh, the show, we allow people who watch and listen to this podcast to submit questions. And we got a number of them from Twitter and Facebook. Uh, this question comes from Twitter. It's from Chris. He says, among the great performances and fights that you had, which one do you consider your best? Well, I, I, well, I would say the one with Tyson, uh, the first one. I'm like, you know, I was, I was so honored, and you know, I and I and I and I thought about, you know, my I won my first championship fight in, in my 12th professional fight against the White Muhammad Kwawe which was the toughest fight. And it, you know, I was like, but but I, I know how I felt when I, I, I fought Tyson because I'm telling you, you know, I even had some kinfolks didn't think that I was gonna win that one. 
this one comes from Saul from Twitter. He says, um, how do you think you would have fared against the heavyweights today like Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua? I, I, I feel that because I had a great amateur program that I, I could fight anybody. You know, I'm telling you, you know, right, right today, it's just, it just, it's just the skill level, the skill level that you get when you have a lot of competition, tough competition, and you know, to make the Olympic team, I had to be the world champion just to make the Olympic team. I'm the, uh, the reigning world champion, the guy Ricky Womack. I'm just so it, it, it show you that it's all all depend on the amateur program that you're in. Uh, this one comes from Twitter as well. It says, "What was the all-time favorite dream fight you wish you could have competed in?" In other words, is there a boxer out there that you wish you could have fought, whether it be Ali or somebody like that? No, I, you know, I had a tough career, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, when I when I came from amateur into pro. I fought the Philadelphia state champion in my first professional fight. Now, you know, I didn't want to, but, but I gave my all and I won. I won the six round fight. And, and so, you know, I might, you know, I, you know, I'm to, this boxing itself, it's just, it's just a great, just a great thing. Uh, this last one comes from Facebook, comes from Fred Craig. He says, uh, Evander, do you want to fight Tyson for financial reasons or just for the love of the sport? I would say the love of the sport and the fact of the matter that it, that we can make some money, that's good too. <laughs> <laughs> it don't make no difference how old you get. You, you, still, you still need money. So, you know, it's the point of the matter is it's the thing that could work for all three, three things that he even said. Love it. Okay, Vander Holyfield, uh, it's time for the last segment of this show. We call it The Last Stand. I'm going to ask you a series of questions, Vander. You give me the first thing that comes to your mind. You ready? Okay. Who gave you the toughest fight of your career? Uh, uh, the White Muhammad Kwawee. Mm, wow. Uh, who hit you the hardest? George Foreman. <laughs> Uh, what fight are you most proud of? The Tyson fight, the first one. Mm. Listen, your career trumps Tyson's, let's be honest, in accomplishments. Um, does it bother you that it seems like uh, more people are enamored with Mike Tyson? Well, no, it doesn't bother me. The fact, the fact is that uh, people got... People have their own way of thinking, and you cannot change people's thinking. My mama said, you're never going to be happy if you be worried about what somebody else thinks. You know what's right with you, and, and, and hold to it. And so, and that's, that's just how I feel. Last question for you, real deal. If you were ranking the greatest heavyweights of all time, where would you rank the real deal Evander Holyfield? Well, when we, and number one position to put me, I'm the only guy ever been a, a champion in two weight division, cruiserweight and heavyweight, and I'm the only guy that four time heavyweight champion of the world. I'm telling you know, people ask me that once before, and I said, yeah, opinion wise, I said they would say they would say Muhammad Ali. I said, but on the paper, it's me. I said, because it'll show you, I won it four times. 
Hey, can't argue with that. Undisputed accuser weight, undisputed at heavyweight. The record speaks for itself. He is the real deal, Evander Holyfield. Uh, Champ, I enjoyed this, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Listen, that's what we do here on The Last Stand. We bring you some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment, like the real deal, Evander Holyfield. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you again next week.